We're going to be learning in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, the only piece in Hilchos Metame Mishkov Moshev. This is Perek Ches Halacha Dalid. And Rab Chaim is going to explain the Halacha of Ein Nida Le'evarim, which means that a woman who's a Nida, which also includes other related categories of Tuma, like a Zav or a Zava, a man who sees a Zav emission, or a woman who sees a Zav emission. So in any of those cases, they don't create Tuma with only one limb of their body. Body. Only their entire body creates tuma, but not one limb. So Rab Chaim is going to explain the Rambam's view on that halacha. The Rambam writes, If a Zav put their hand or their foot inside an earthenware vessel. Now in general, a clay cheres does not become tame from the outside, only from inside. So if the tuma would be inside the clay cheres, it generally creates tuma. But in this case, the Rambam says, Since he didn't actually touch the clay cheres and he didn't move it, in this case, the klecheres is tahor because a nida and related types of tuma like a zav do not create tuma through a varim, through one limb. Only their entire body gives off tuma, but not one limb. So since the zav put his hand or his leg into the klecheres, it does not give off tuma. Now, the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam's application of this halacha. He writes, Since the rule of a klecheres is that if someone touches even the airspace inside with tuma, the whole thing becomes tame. So why in this case should it not be tame, even though the zav only put one limb inside of there, but that should transfer tuma through the airspace inside the klecheres, to the whole klecheres. So the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam's application that in this case we apply the rule of Ein Nidale Varim, so there's no Tuma. So what then, according to the Ravid, is the application of Ein Nidale Varim? So he explains, Lo al Zuhaderech Nemar, it's not the Rambam's case. El Yada One of the rules of Nida and Zav and those related Tumas is that anything they sit on or lie on all also becomes tame. So that's a special transfer of tuma that applies only to the nida group of tumas. So the Ravid explains that this halacha of ein nida le'evarim refers to the special transfer of mishkav or moshav, that if a zav or a nida only puts their hand or their leg on a chair, it doesn't become tame until they fully sit on it. So that's how the Ravid applies the halacha of ein nida le'evarim, that it means that the tuma of mishkav or moshav does not apply to one limb, it only applies if the person fully sits on this chair. Now, Rab Chaim explains the conceptual context to this debate between the Rambam and the Ravid. The Gemara in Shabbos Pei Gimel says that Avodah the impurity of an idol, is compared to a few other types of Tumah, including a Sheretz, a dead bug, a Nida, and a dead body. So the Gemara explains that the reason for this is because each of these Tumahs has a unique rule in terms of spreading. So a Sheretz does not spread through carrying. Nida le'evarim. Nida does not apply to one limb of the body. And a dead body requires a minimum measurement larger than a ka'adasha. So basically we're comparing the special rules of these types of tumah 
to the impurity of an idol. So we see that the special rule of Anida, what makes it different than other forms of Tumah, is that it does not transfer through one limb, only through the person's whole body. So the Ravid explains, and this makes a lot of sense, that this halacha applies specifically to the Tumah of Mishkav or Moshev, that Anida who lies or sits on a chair or a bed makes it Tameh. So that's a special form of transfer that only applies to Tomas Nida, so it makes sense that this special limitation of Nida would apply to the special transfer of Nida. Meaning, it doesn't make sense to apply this limitation in the transfer of Tomas Nida to the regular transfers of Toma that apply to all forms of Toma. It makes more sense to limit it only to the special transfer of Tumas Nida, of Mishkav or Moshev, and there the Torah limited that by saying that it only applies to the whole Nida or a majority of her body, but not one limb. So that's the Ravid's conceptual understanding that this is a limitation within the transfer of Nida. The Rambam, on the other hand, holds that a Nida Le'evarim is a much more fundamental rule. It's a limitation in the whole Tuma of Nida to begin with. It's not just a limitation in the transfer of Nida, but it's saying that the Tuma of Nida applies only either to her whole body or a majority of her body because of Rubo Kekulo, but it does not apply to one limb. So Tumas Nida cannot transfer through one limb in any of the ways that Tuma transfers. Even Maga or Masa, the regular forms of transfer like touching or carrying that apply to all types of Tuma, even so when it comes to Tumas Nida, they will not transfer transfer through one limb, even though for other tumas they certainly do transfer through one limb. So if someone has a regular tuma and they touch something, it becomes tame. But that does not apply to nida because the whole tuma of nida fundamentally is limited by this idea that it only applies to a majority or the entire body, but not to one limb. So there's a conceptual distinction between the Rambam and the Ravid, how to understand the limitation of Ein Nida Le'evarim. According to the Rambam, that's a fundamental limitation in the whole Tuma of Nida. So it applies to all transfers, not just the ones that are special to Tumas Nida. Whereas according to the Ravid, it's a limitation in the transfer of Tumas Nida. So it applies specifically to the special transfers of Tumas Nida which is Mishkov or Moshev. Now, the Rambam still has a technical problem, though, applying his conceptual understanding because we can't say that every time Anida touches something, it doesn't become Tameh because that, of course, is a regular full Maga. The definition in Halacha of touching something is that one finger or one part of the body touches it, but it certainly does not mean that the entire body has to touch it. So even though the Rambam understands Ein Nida Le'evarim is a limitation in the very Tuma of Nida, it does not transfer through the limbs, but certainly if a Nida touches something, that is considered full Maga under Halacha. So what is the technical case where this Halacha is going to apply according to the Rambam? So that's why the Rambam had to find this very unusual case to apply this Halacha, which is if there's an earthenware vessel, which does not become Tame on the outside, only for from the inside. So now that's a different halacha than regular maga. That's not the regular
regular old situation of touching and transferring the tumah through that, this is a halacha of toch, that something has to be inside the klecheres in order to transfer tumah. So now the Rambam found an unusual case of tumah transfer that doesn't work through the regular maga. So said the Rambam, this is where the halacha of ein nida le'evarim, there's no nida for one limb, applies. Because if the nida inserts her hand into the klecheres, so that's not considered toch because it only has one limb inside of it. So in order for the nida to create tumah in the klecheres, she would have to be fully inside of there. But one limb is not enough to create tumah because one limb doesn't have tumah. So again, there's a difference between maga and toch. A regular case where a nida touches something, it certainly transfers tumah because since she touched it, it's as if her entire body touched it. That's the basic principle of maga. Only in this unusual case of a klecheres, where the tumah has to be inside of the klecheres, so there the Rambam says that until the entire nida is inside of it, it's not considered toch, otherwise it's just one limb which doesn't transfer tumah. So this formulation is going to answer the Ravid's question on the Rambam. The Ravid had asked, what's the difference between the tumah being in the airspace of the klecheres versus touching the klecheres? Either way, the tumah should transfer throughout. So the answer, according to Rabbi Chaim is that the Rambam distinguishes between Maga and Toch. When it comes to touching Toma, so the basic principle is that even if a small part of the body touched it, it's as if the whole body touched it. So that's why if the Nida would actually touch the Klecheres inside, or if she would touch anything, the whole thing would become Tame because it's as if she entirely touched it. But the Rambam differentiates that from when there's Toma in the airspace of the Klecheres, then we evaluate what's considered inside of the klecheres. And only the things that are inside there are considered inside. So in this case, we only see a part of the body, either the hand or the leg, whatever she put in there is considered inside the klecheres, but that's not enough to create tumah because it needs to come from the entire body, not just from one limb. So that's how the Rambam explains this halacha and why the rule of ein nida le'evarim specifically applies in the halacha where she put a hand or a leg into a klecheres. Now Rab Chaim adds that building on this analysis, we can formulate even a further layer of the conceptual debate between the Rambam and the Raivid. And that is regarding what is the rule of toch that the Tumah has to be inside of the Klecheres? What does that exactly mean? So according to the Raivid, it's a rule regarding the Klecheres. The vessel only becomes Tameh if the Tumah's inside of it. But it has nothing to do with the object of Tumah. So the Tumah needs to be inside of the vessel in order to transfer to the vessel, but it's not an idea that applies to the object of Tumah, which is doing the transferring of Tumah. So the formulation, according to the Raivid, is that the Tumah needs to transfer from within the Klecheres. It does not transfer from outside the Klecheres. But that only means that some part of the Tumah needs to be in the Klecheres. There is no rule that the entirety of the Tumah needs to be in the Klecheres. Because again, from the perspective of the Tumah itself, it's irrelevant where this Tumah is located. It does not need to be inside of the Klecheres. So that's why the Raivid disagrees with the 
Rambam's application, he says there can't be a rule that the nida has to be entirely in the klecheres to transfer tuma, because who cares if one part of her or one limb, what does it matter how much of the nida or the zav is in the klecheres? Either way, so long as there's a small part of their body inside the klecheres, the transfer of tuma is going to happen. Because from the perspective of the vessel itself, the tuma is inside, it's not on the outside, so the tuma is going to transfer. Now the fact that the entirety of the tuma was not in the klecheres is irrelevant, because the rule of toch, that the tuma has to be inside, doesn't apply to the tame object, in this case the zav or the nida, it only applies to the vessel itself. So in this case, says the Raivid, where one limb of the Nida is inside the Klecheres, that limb connects with the rest of her body, and it's as if the entire Tuma is in the Klecheres, same as the case of Maga, just as when she touches something, even though only one finger touches it, it's as if her entire body touched it, so according to the Raivid, that's the exact same equivalent here, that when her hand is inside the Klecheres, it connects with the rest of her body, it's as if she's entirely in the klecheres, so the tumma should transfer. Now, even though she's not entirely in the klecheres, but that's not a requirement for the tumma. The only requirement of toch is that the tumma has to come through the inside of the klecheres, not from the outside. And in this case, that's what happened. She put her hand inside the klecheres, so the tumma transfers. So that's exactly why the Ravid asks on the Rambam, how is this case where she put her hand in the airspace of the klecheres any different than the case of maga. Just like maga, one limb is considered as if the whole body touched it. So too in this case, once she put one limb inside the klecheres, it's as if her entire body is in there. Because again, according to the Raivid, the whole concept of toch, that the tuma needs to be in the klecheres, is only a concept that applies to the vessel itself, but it doesn't apply to the object of Toma. The Rambam, though, disagrees, and he understands that the concept of Toch applies also to the object of Toma, that in order to transfer Toma to Klecheres, the object needs to be fully inside the Klecheres. So that's why the Rambam differentiates between this case and a regular case of Maga, because since she only put one hand or one foot inside the Klecheres, it does not combine with the rest of her body. So for Halacha, this is a case where only one limb went inside the Klecheres and one limb does not transfer Tumah. So the rule of Toch applies not only to the vessel but also to the object of Tumah according to the Rambam. So, so far Rab Chaim's put together two conceptual debates between the Rambam and the Raivid to explain what they're arguing about here. According to the Rambam the rule of Ein Nida Le'evarim is a fundamental limitation on how Nida transfers Tumah. Whereas according to the Raivid it's a special rule that applies only to the special transfer transfer of Nida, which is Mishkav or Moshav. In addition, the Rambam and the Raivid debate what the rule of Toch, that the Tumah has to come from inside the Klecheres, means. According to the Raivid, this rule only applies to the vessel itself. It only gets Tumah from inside. It has nothing to do with the object of Tumah, whereas according to the Rambam, it applies both to the vessel as well as the object giving off Tumah. So now if we put these two together, it explains the whole picture. According to the Rambam, Ein Nida Le'evarim means that even in regular transfers of tuma, a nida does not transfer tuma through one limb. Now, what's going to be the practical case of that? It can't be when she touches something because that's as if her whole body touched it. So it must be this unusual case where she put her hand 
hand or her foot in the klecheres, so that's not considered toch according to the Rambam, and she doesn't give off toma in that case. The Ravid though disagrees. He says, no, that can't be the case of Enidalevarim, because that's the same as touching the klecheres. So there, there would be toma in that case. So basically, there is no situation of a nidala evarim other than in the special transfer of Mishkav or Moshav. Other than that, when it comes to Maga, any other transfer of Tumah, there's not going to be a technical possibility of applying the rule of a nidala evarim. Now, Rab Chaim continues in the fourth paragraph with a very brilliant analysis. The Gemara in Baba Kama Chavhei asks, Mapatz b'meis minayin. How do we know that a dead body makes a mat Tame. Meaning, how do we know to include that a mattress in an Ohel Hames is also Tame? So the Gemara answers that it's a Kalva Chomer from the case of Zav. If you have a very small vessel that nothing can go inside, so it's Tahor from Zav, there's no way to get Tuma of Zav in there, but it still becomes Tame from a dead body from Ohel. So a mattress which does become Tame from a Zav if he lies on it, so certainly it should become Tame from a dead body. So the Gemara proves that Tomas Mace is more strict than Tomas Zav. So since a Zav makes a mattress tame by lying on it, it also becomes tame in Oala Mace. Now Tosfos asks, what does the Gemara mean that a small jar with a tiny opening cannot become tame from Tomas Zav? What if the Zav took one of his hairs and dangled it inside of there? So it would become tame. So there is a way for a small jar to get Tomas Zav from one little hair of the Zav. Says Rab Chaim, the Rambam is going to be able to answer this question because he holds that one limb of the Zav does not transfer Tumah. So that would include if the Zav dangles a hair inside this vessel, it's not going to transfer Tumah inside of there. So according to the Rambam, we can answer Tosus's question on the Gemara. Why does the Gemara say that there's no Tumas Zav in a small jar? What if he puts one hair in there? According to the Rambam, that does not transfer Tumah. So Tosfos, who asks the question, obviously holds like the Ravid that in that case it does transfer Toma, and that's why he asks the question. So basically Tosfos and the Ravid hold that one limb of the Zav transfers Toma. So they have a question, why does the Gemara say that a Zav can't make a small jar Tame? Whereas according to the Rambam, the Gemara makes sense because one limb of a Zav does not transfer Toma. Now Rashi and Tosfos ask another question on that Gemara, which is there's another possibility of a Zav making a small jar tame, which is if he moves the jar. So that would also create tuma, even though he can't get inside. So again, this is a question, why does the Gemara say that a Zav can't make a small jar tame when there is a form of getting around the fact that he can't get inside of there? If he moves the jar from the outside, it would become tame. So Rashi and Tosos answer that since in this case, there's no way for the Zav to make the jar tame from the inside, there's no way for him to touch inside of it because it's such a small opening. So the tuma of moving it also doesn't apply in this case. In other words, there's a rule that moving something makes it tame, but that's dependent on also being able to touch inside of it. If the person couldn't touch inside of it, then moving is not going to create tuma. So that's Rashi and Tosos' approach to explain this Gemara. Says Rab Chaim that Rashi and 
Tosvos have to explain the Gemara that way for conceptual reasons. Because they don't like the Gemara's Kalvachomer as it appears on the surface. The Kalvachomer is that since the Zav can't get his hand inside this small jar, so he doesn't make it Tame, as opposed to Tomas Mace, which does travel inside the jar. But according to Rab Chaim, Rashi and Tosvos are bothered because that's just a technicality. That's not a real halacha that the Zav can't make this jar Tame. It's just a technicality that his finger doesn't fit inside the opening. So how do we derive a Kalvachomer from that, that Tomas Mace is stricter, when it's not a real fundamental distinction between them, it's just that the Zav's hand doesn't fit in, whereas Tomas Mace goes inside. So where do we see from there that Tomas Mace is stricter when it's just a technicality that it gets inside the jar? So that's why Rashi and Tosfos add that there is a more fundamental distinction in this case. Since the Zav can't reach inside the jar, he also doesn't make it tame by moving it. So the whole Tomas Heset doesn't apply in the case of the small jar because the Zav can't touch it inside as well. So now that's a real fundamental distinction because it's saying that the Tuma of Zav is minimized, it's less strict, that it doesn't have Tomas Heset as opposed to Tomas Mace, which does apply in this case. So according to Rashi and Tosvos, they've now found a fundamental halachic distinction in this case, not just a technicality that the Zav's hand doesn't fit inside the jar. But says Rab Chaim, the Rambam seems to disagree with the principle of Rashi and Tosvos because he never mentions this rule that a Zav who moves a small jar, which he wouldn't have been able to touch from the inside, that it doesn't become Tameh. So if the Rambam agrees with Rashi and Tosvos on that point, why didn't he quote that halacha as well, that there's a limitation that if a Zav moves a very small jar, it doesn't become Tameh. So it sounds like the Rambam disagrees with them on that, and he holds that if a Zav moves a small jar, it does become Tameh, even though he can't touch inside. So if so, now we're back to the question on the Gemara, what's the Kalvachomer if the whole reason the small jar is not Tameh is only a technicality because the Zav can't fit his hand inside of there? So how does that show that Tomas Mace is more strict? Says Rab Chaim brilliantly because this is the Rambam Lashitaso. He holds that there is a fundamental halacha that explains why the Zav can't make the small jar Tameh. Because again, why can't the Zav just put a hair in there and make it Tameh? The answer is because Ein Nida Le'evarim. Zav does not transfer through one limb. Now that's a real fundamental halacha. That's not just a technicality that the Zav can't get his hand inside of there because the hair he could get inside inside of there, and still it doesn't transfer Tumah. So that shows us that there is a major leniency that applies to Tomas Nida and Tomas Zav, which does not apply to Tomas Mace. So based on that, the Gemara makes a Kalvachomer that Tomas Mace should apply to Mishkav or Moshev. So according to the Rambam, we don't need to say what Rashi and Tosfos said, that if a Zav moves a small jar, it doesn't make it Tameh. The Rambam holds it would be Tameh in that case. But the Gemara still has a Kalvachomer from the case of Maga, where the Zav touches inside the small jar. Jar, meaning he puts one hair in there and that still doesn't create Tumah because of a fundamental halacha. So from there we derive that Tumas Mace is more strict. So very beautifully, Rab Chaim applies the Rambam's approach to this Gemara in Bavakama Chafhei and explains how the Rambam reads it differently than Rashi and Tosvos based on his understanding of these concepts. Now in paragraph 5, Rab Chaim asks a question from the Mishnah in Zavim, Hey Dalid, on his whole theory in the Rambam. The Mishnah says, 
If a person is carrying only a part of a zav, so they're not carrying the entire zav, only some of his limbs, or the other way, a person is being carried by only a part of the zav. So in either case, they're tame. So this seems to contradict Rab Chaim's distinction between the case of Maga versus being in the airspace of a Klecheres, because Rab Chaim explained that when someone touches something, it's as if their entire body touched it, and that's different than being in the airspace of a Klecheres, where we see each limb as separate. Now, when it comes to carrying, so we see each limb as separate. It's not like touching, that we see it all connected. It's like the case of the Klecheres, where each limb is evaluated on its own. So if the person carries only part of the Zav, a few of the limbs of the Zav, how do they become Tameh when the Zav doesn't transfer Tumah through the limbs, only the entirety of the Zav? And in this case, we don't consider it as if they carried the entirety of the Zav. So Rab Chaim explains that carrying a Zav is different than carrying things in general. Even though in general, when someone carries something, we evaluate each part separately. So carrying one part is not like carrying the whole thing, but Zav has a stringency in terms of transferring Tumah that even if the person carries only part of the Zav, it's as if they carried the entire Zav. And that's based on the rule of Evan Misama. Not only a person who carries a Zav directly becomes Tameh, but even if they carry a Zav on top of something else like a stone, so they're holding the stone and on top of the stone is the Zav, the person carrying the stone still becomes Tameh. So we see that Zav transfers Tumah not only directly to someone carrying them, but even if they're carrying them through an intermediary. So the same is true here. If the person is carrying a part of the Zav, even though ordinarily we would view them as only holding that part, but since this is Zav, so it's no worse than the case where they're holding the Zav through something else, which is as if they're carrying the whole Zav, so too in this case, by carrying a part of the Zav, it's as if they're carrying the entire Zav. So in fact, when it comes to the case of a person carrying the limb of a Zav, that is like the case of touching, that we evaluate the whole body together. It's all connected. So since this person carried even one limb of the Zav, even though that limb alone can't transfer Toma, but we view them as carrying the entire Zav, so there is a transfer of Toma. So that explains this Mishnah that a person who carries a limb of a Zav does become Tameh, even though ordinarily, Rab Chaim says, carrying a part of something is not carrying the whole thing, but when it comes to a Zav, that's an exception because there's a stringency of Evan Misama that even carrying a Zav on top of something else becomes Tameh, so too carrying a part of the Zav is like carrying the whole Zav, and the person carrying him becomes Tameh. And Rab Chaim adds that you anyways have to explain the Mishnah like this, even without his approach in the Rambam, because of the second case in the Mishnah, which has the same problem. The case where a Zav is carrying part of a Tahor person. So the Mishnah said that they become Tameh. Now the reason for that is Hesed, that if a Zav moves something, it becomes Tameh. So since the Zav moved this Tahor person, they became Tameh. Now when it comes to Hesed, says Rab Chaim, 
it's clear that the Zav has to move the entire object. They can't just move a part of it because the Gemara says, Magashu Kekulo Zehesed. That Hesed is defined as touching the whole thing, meaning moving the whole thing. So we see that Hesed must be on the whole thing, not on a part of it. So if that's the case, why when the Zav carries a part of the Tahar person, do they become Tameh when the Zav didn't move them entirely? He only carried a part of them. So it must be, as Rab Chaim said, that this is based on the rule of Evan Misama the other way, that if a Zav carries someone on a rock, they become Tameh. So too, if the Zav moves a part of them, it's as if they moved them entirely, and that's how they become Tameh. So again, we see that this rule of Evan Misama changes, that it's not as if the Zav moved a part of them, it's as if they moved them entirely. So likewise, in the first case, it changes it, that it's not as if the Tahor person carried a part of the Zav, it's as if they carried them entirely. Now, based on this, we can explain the view of Reb Shimon. He disagrees with the first view in the Mishnah. He says, If a Tahor person carries a part of a Zav, so they do become Tame, that he agrees about, but he disagrees in the second case. If a Zav carries a part of a Tahor person, the person remains Tahor. So Reb Chaim explains that Reb Shimon's view is that he disagrees that the rule of Evan Misama is relevant to Tomas Hesed. So Evan Misama does not change the way Hesed operates. So in order for the Zav to make someone Tameh by carrying them, he would need to carry them entirely. But carrying part of them is not viewed as if he carried the whole person based on Evan Misama. We do not say that according to Reb Shimon. And that's why the person remains Tahor. As opposed to the Tanakama who disagrees and he holds that Evan Misama does transform the Hesed. So if the Zav carries even a part of the Tahor person, it's as if they moved them entirely and the person becomes Tameh. So that's the debate between Reb Shimon and the Tanakama whether Evan Misama is going to change the second case when a Zav carried a Tahor person and make it as if they carried them entirely. But in the first case, everybody agrees that when the Tahor person carries a part of the Zav based on Evan Misama, it's as if he carried him entirely. So he does become Tameh. So again, according to Rab Chaim, we see very clearly that this is the approach in the Mishnah, and that's why it's not a problem with his overall interpretation of the Rambam, even though in general, moving a part of something or carrying a part of something is not as if the person moved it entirely or carried it entirely, but in the case of Zav, it's different because of the stringency of Evan Misama, which transforms all these cases into as if the person did move or carry it entirely. Although that's the debate between Reb Shimon and the Tanakama, whether we apply this also so to Hesed, when the Zav carried someone else, whether it's as if he moved him entirely or not. But from the fact that the Tanakama does apply this rule, even in the case of Hesed, where according to Rab Chaim, it's totally clear that in order to be considered Hesed, the person needs to move it entirely. So we see that this is the overall approach for interpreting the Mishnah. Now, using what he developed so far, so Rab Chaim says, based on this, we could answer a comment of the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah in Kalim Parak Aleph Mishnah Gimel. The Mishnah there is listing various gradations of Tuma, and it says a Boel Nida. Someone who has relations with a Nida is strict. He creates Tuma on anything he lies on, even layers of mattresses beneath him. Now, more 
More stringent than that is the actual Zav emission that came out of the Zav. Shehein mitamin b'magov masa, Because that creates Tuma through touching and carrying. So the implication of this Mishnah on the surface is that the Boel Nida does not transfer Tuma if someone touches or carries him. Which is impossible because he certainly gives off Tuma in the regular ways. So we have to understand what does the Mishnah mean when it says that there's a level that's stricter than the Boel Nida, that it gives off Tuma through being touched or carried. How is that different than the Boel Nida who also gives off Tuma in those ways? So the Rash in his commentary explains that the stringency of the Zav emission itself over the Boel Nida is that if the Boel Nida touches a person and that person then touches clothing, they do not become Tameh. As opposed to the Zav emission itself, that if someone touches it and then they touch clothing, so those clothing do become tame. So that's the stringency of Zovo Shel Zav over a Boel Nida. It's not in the case where they touch something. The thing itself definitely becomes tame. The question is if they touch a person and then that person then goes and touches clothing. So in the case of Zovo Shel Zav, the clothes are tame, whereas the Boel Nida, the clothes are not tame. Now, the Rambam cannot interpret this Mishnah along the lines of the Rash because he disagrees with this view. In Hilchus Avas HaToma, Perek Vav Halach Yudbeis, he writes, Kol Av Tuma Shemitame B'magov Masa, any major form of Tuma that transfers through touching or being carried, Adam Hanogeabo O Hanoso Mitame Begadim Bishas Mago Bishas Nasi Aso. So anyone that touches it or carries it, the clothes that they're wearing at the time are also Tame. So the Rambam is very clear that in all these cases of Tuma, if a person touches or carries them, the clothing also becomes Tameh. Now, the Rambam himself has certain exceptions. The exceptions are a nevela of a dead body or the chair of a nida or a zav. So even though they fully give off Tuma, that anyone who touches or carries them becomes Tameh, but there is a difference because someone who touches them, the clothes on them are not Tameh. But if they carry them, so then even the clothes are Tameh. So basically, the Rambam says very clearly what the case where the clothes would not be Tameh is. It's when a person touches either a Nevela or a Merkav, but the Rambam does not include a Boel Nida. So according to the Rambam, even someone who touches a Boel Nida, the clothes on him become Tameh. So this clearly disagrees with the Rash, because according to him, the Boel Nida is one of those cases where a person touching him the clothes are not Tameh unless they carry the Boel Nida. So we see that the Rambam disagrees with the Rash about this Halacha. So if so, how's he going to interpret the case in the Mishnah? The Mishnah said that in some way the Zovo Shalzav is more strict than the Boel Nida, but according to the Rambam, it cannot be the Rash's case that someone who touches a Boel Nida, the clothing on them are not Tameh. So instead, the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah explains that the difference is someone who carries part Partially a Boel Nida, so they only carry a few of their limbs, does not become Tameh, but if someone partially carries the Zovo Shalzav, they still become Tameh. So now the Rambam in his Pirusha Mishnah is explaining that this Mishnah is touching on the exact issue that we're discussing here, which is if someone carries a part of the Tumah, so now the Rambam says there's a difference. If they carry a part of a Boel Nida, they're not Tameh, but if they carry a part of a Zovo Shalzav, or the higher levels of Tumah, so then they do become Tameh. But says 
Rab Chaim, why should the Boel Nida be different from the Zav or the Nida themselves or other people who are Tameh, where if a person carries a part of the Tameh person, they still become Tameh as if they carry them fully. So why should the Boel Nida be the one exception where unless the person fully carries him, they don't become Tameh for carrying a part of him? But says Rab Chaim, if we apply the ideas that he's developed so far, so this will explain this ruling of the Rambam as well. Because the Rambam earlier in these halachas, Hilchos Mitame Mishkevu Moshev Gimel Aleph, so he writes, Boel Nida Kin Nida. Someone who has relations with the Nida is like the Nida herself. He becomes an original form of Toma and he makes vessels Tame if they touch him and anyone that carries him or touches him or moves him becomes Tame and anything he lies on or sits on becomes Tame Kin Nida. So the Rambam emphasizes that the whole Tuma of Boel Nida is based on and parallel to the Tuma of the Nida herself. So the the Rambam's view of the Boel Nida is that it's not going to have a stringency above the Nida herself because it's derived in the Torah from the Tumah of Nida. So based on that, said the Rambam, since when it comes to Nida, ain Nida le'evarim, the Tumah doesn't transfer through the limbs, only from her entire body. So the same is true of the Boel Nida as well. The Tumah can only come from him entirely, not from a limb. So that explains why the Rambam holds that if someone partially carries a Boel Nida, they do not become Tameh until they carry him entirely. So that explains the reason why the Boel Nida is unlike other people who are Tameh, where if the person carries them partially, they still become Tameh, because other forms of Tumah do transfer through a limb. They don't need the entire body of the person. So that's why carrying even a part of the person makes the carrier Tameh. But Boel Nida is in the category of the Nida Tumas, which require the entire body, not a limb. So that's why carrying part of him doesn't make the person tame. Now, as Rab Chaim already said, even though that's theoretically the case, but when it comes to an actual zav or a nida, there is tuma even for carrying part of them, based on the rule of Eben Misama. So that stringency teaches that even carrying a part of the zav is as if the person carried the entire zav. But says Rab Chaim, even so, we don't apply the rule of Evan Misama to the Boel Nida. Even though, according to the Rambam, the Boel Nida is derived from the Tumah of the Nida herself, but that doesn't include the rule of Evan Misama, because Evan Misama is not explicitly in the Torah. It's a halacha Moshe Misinai. Hashem told it to Moshe and it was passed down, but it's not explicitly in the Torah. The Torah only says that someone who carries a Nida becomes Tameh. So when it comes to Boel Nida, we only derive those halachas that are explicit in the Torah, not things which were a halacha l'moshem Sinai. So we only apply the rule of Masa, that anyone that carries a Boel Nida becomes Tameh. But we do not apply the added rule of Evan Misama. So that's why for someone to become Tameh through carrying a Boel Nida, they need to carry the person entirely, not a part of them, because that's not going to work, because ain Nida le'evarim, the Boel 
Nida does not give off Tumah through some of his limbs. So this explains the delicate balance that the Rambam creates for Boel Nida, that on the one hand, he has the same rules of Nida, that the Tumah doesn't transfer through the limbs, so the carrier of the Boel Nida is not going to be Tameh until he carries him fully. And since there's no Evan Misama, so there's nothing to consider carrying part of the Boel Nida as if he carried him entirely. So this analysis is very brilliantly going to explain why the case of carrying a Boel Nida is different from any other transfer of Tumah. Because ordinarily if someone carries a part of someone who's Tameh, they're still going to be Tameh because the limbs give off Tumah. So you don't need the entirety of the person. Even some of their limbs alone can give off Tumah. Now that's not true of Nida and Zav where the limbs do not give off Tumah alone. But still, someone who carries a part of a Nida or a Zav is going to be Tameh based on Evan Misama, that stringency makes it as if they carried the entirety of the person. So in both of those cases, there's going to be Tumah, either because carrying the person partially transfers Tumah, or because carrying the person partially is like carrying them fully. Only the case of Boel Nida is in its own category where carrying him partially does not create Tumah because like a Nida, the Tumah doesn't come from the limbs. But unlike a Nida, there's no rule of Evan Misama, so carrying him partially is not like carrying him fully. So that's why the Rambam explains, according to the Mishnah, that in that case, there is no Tumas Masa for carrying part of a Boel Nida. Now, using this, Rab Chaim answers another comment of the Rambam in Hilchus Bias Mikdash Gimel Beis. The Rambam says, You would have thought that there's three types of Tumas that can be together in the same place. So if someone has Tzara'as, someone is a Zav, and someone came in contact with a dead body, maybe they can all be in the same area. So the Rambam says that's not the case because the Torah says, The person with Tzara'as has to sit by themselves. So So we learn from here that any Tumah which is more strict has to be sent out more distance than a less strict Tumah. So now the Rambam creates a gradation of the strictness of these three levels of Tumah. Tzara'as is the most strict, so he has to leave all three areas where the Jews live, the Kohanim, the Levim, and the Israelim, wherever Jews live, he has to go out. Zav and Nida are less strict, but they're the second level of strict, so they have to leave the places of the Kohanim and Levim, but they could be where the Israelim are. And the least strict, the third one, is Tamei Meis, someone who came in contact with a dead body, that they could even be in the camp of the Levim. Now the Rambam explains what is the stringency of these Tumas. So the stringency of Tzara'as above the other two levels of Tumah is because a Mitzorah who walks into a house, everything in the house becomes Tameh, like a dead body itself. So therefore, it's the most stringent. Now, what's the stringency of Zav and Nida over a Tameh mace? So the Rambam explains, a Zav and a Nida mitamin ha-mishka If they sit or lie on a chair or a bed, 
even if they sit on top of a stone, which is on top of the chair or bed, it still becomes Tameh. So the stringency of Zav and Nida is basically Evan Misama, that even if they're on top of a stone, and that stone is on top of a bed or a chair, still the Tuma goes all the way down into the bed and the chair, which is not true of a Tameh Mace. So that's why Zav and Nida are more strict than Tameh Mace. Now Rab Chaim asks, why does the Rambam focus on the case of Evan Misama when there's a much simpler distinction. A Zav and a Nida who sit and lie on a bed make the bed Tame, whereas a Tame Mace does not. So the whole Halacha of Mishkov and Moshev doesn't apply to a dead body to begin with. So why did the Rambam jump to the case of Evan Misama when the Zav or the Nida are sitting on a rock on top of a chair to say that the chair is Tameh when the whole Halacha of Mishkov or Moshev to begin with is a stringency of Zav and Nida. If a Zav or Nida are sitting on the chair, it becomes Tameh as opposed to a dead body that doesn't transfer through lying on something. So why didn't the Rambam just use that simple example? Now, the truth is that this line in the Rambam comes from the Sifri in Nusso, where it says the same thing, that the stringency of a Zav over a dead body is Evan Misama, which does not apply to a Mace. So the Rambam is just copying and pasting this line from the Sifri. So whatever question Rab Chaim has on the Rambam is really on the Sifri. But says Rab Chaim, in fact, there is a way to interpret the Sifri, which would make perfect sense. That the case of the Sifri is talking about someone who carries a Zav versus carrying a dead body. So when it comes to Tumas Masa, that does apply both to Zav as well as a dead body, but there's a difference between Evan Misama. So if the Zav is on a rock and the person is carrying it, then they become Tameh. But if the dead body is on a rock and they carry it, the Tuma doesn't transfer to them. So there is a way to read the Sifri where the difference between the Mace and the Zav is in the case of Evan Misama because it's referring to the Halacha of carrying the Tuma. But the Rambam explains it referring to Mishkav or Moshav, that if the Zav sits on a chair, the chair becomes Tameh, which is not true of a dead body. So why does the Rambam then add in that the difference is in the case of Evan Misama when the difference is in the whole halacha of Mishkav or Moshav? So the question is not on the Sifri, the question is on the Rambam. But says Rab Chaim, there is anyways another question on the Sifri, which is there are so many stringencies that a Zav has over a dead body. A Zav who moves something, it becomes Tameh. A Zav who sits on a chair, it becomes Tameh. So why does the Sifri choose specifically the case of Evan Misama that if someone carries a Zav on a rock, they still become Tameh? So how did it choose to mention that specific stringency as opposed to any of the other stringencies? Says Rab Chaim unbelievably brilliantly that applying his whole insight into the Rambam, this is all going to make perfect sense. Because the case that the Rambam is trying to include is the Boel Nida. The Mishnah in Zavim Heyud Aleph says that the rule of a Boel Nida is similar to Tameh Mace. And the Gemara in Psachim Samaches explains that this refers to where they have to leave. So the Boel Nida does not have to leave the Levium's area just like the Tameh Mace. So basically when it comes to leaving the area of the Jews, Mitzora is the most strict, then Zav and Nida, and then the lowest level is Tameh Mace and Boel Nida. 
So that's what the Sifri is trying to explain. Why is the Boel Nida different than the Zav and the Nida? So we can't say that the stringency of Zav and Nida is because of Hesed, if they move something or if they sit on a chair, because those two halachas apply to Boel Nida as well. So that would not explain why the Zav and the Nida are more strict than the Boel Nida, even though it explains why they're more strict than the Tamei Mace, but we also need to explain why they're more strict than the Boel Nida. So the only stringency that Zav and Nida have over the Boel Nida is the case of Evan Misama, which only applies to a Nida, but not to a Boel Nida, as Rab Chaim said, because since it's not explicit in the Torah, it's Allah Moshe Misinai, we don't apply it to a Boel Nida. So that's exactly why the Sifri chooses specifically that stringency in order to explain why a Nida is stricter than a Boel Nida. And that also explains why the Rambam focuses only on the Evan Misama of Mishkav or Moshev, because he's also trying to include in his language why the Nida is stricter than the Boel Nida who would be allowed in the Machana Levium, in the Levium's areas. So the answer to that is even though the Boel Nida does have the rule of Mishkav or Moshev, but he doesn't have the Evan Misama aspect of that rule. So if he sits on a rock on a chair, the chair does not become Tameh. So this very brilliantly explains why the Sifri and the Rambam focus so strongly on the Evan Misama distinction as opposed to other distinctions because they're trying to include that a Boel Nida is in this regard like a Tameh Mace that he does not have to leave the Machana Levium and the reason is because Evan Misama does not apply to him. So this reinforces Rab Chaim's whole idea that Evan Misama does not apply to Boel Nida even though generally he follows the same guidelines as the Nida herself but that's only things that are explicit in the Torah. Something which is Allah Moshe Sinai applies to Nida but not to Boel Nida and based on that the Rambam and the Sifri make perfect sense. So now so far in this piece Rab Chaim's defended the view of the Rambam, why it makes sense to apply the halacha of Ein Nida Le'evarim to the case of a Klecheres against the Ravid's questions. Now he ties this all together and he redefines how Evan Misama changes things and this is going to explain why the Rambam does not hold like the Ravid. So why didn't the Rambam apply this halacha to Tumas Mishkov Umoshav? So Rab Chaim's new formulation of this whole halacha is going to explain that. So in the seventh paragraph, Rab Chaim quotes from the Torah's Kohanim in Parshas Mitzorah that the Medrash derives from the Torah that the rule of Evan Misama applies also to Tumas Mishkav Umoshav. So not only to Tumas Masa, where someone carries a Mitzorah, is there an extension of Evan Misama? But even if the Mitzorah sits on something, so it becomes Tameh, but even if the Mitzorah sits on a big rock on top of a chair, the chair still becomes Tameh. So the Halacha of Evan Misama Sama applies to Tomas Mishkov Umoshov as well. Now, Rab Chaim asks, what is the case of this Medrash? Because the definition of Mishkov Umoshov is that the Zov's weight is being held up by this chair or bed. That's the whole essence of the Tuma. So if the Zov's weight is being held up by the rock, that's regular Mishkov Umoshov. And if the Zov's weight is not being held up by the rock, so then it should be Tahor because that's not defined as Mishkov Umoshov at all. 
So what is the case where we wouldn't have automatically included the Evan Misama if not for this Medrash that derives it from the Torah that this case wouldn't have been Moshev if not for the Pasuk? So Rab Chaim explains this Medrash based on a distinction that he's already been touching on throughout this piece. And that is there are two reasons why the Zav and the Nida need to be fully or a majority on the bed or the chair in order to have the Tumah of Mishkavu Moshev. One is because if they're not fully on there, it's not considered mishkav. The definition of sitting on a chair is that the person is a majority or more on the chair. If just a small part of their body is on the chair, that's not considered sitting in halacha. So A, the definition of mishkav is that it requires a majority of the person sitting there. The second issue is that if the nida or the zav is not entirely sitting on the chair, so then the rule of ein nida le'evarim kicks in, tumah of Nida and Zav doesn't transfer through a limb. It only comes from the entire person. So unless the Nida and the Zav is entirely on the chair or bed, it's not going to become Tame from a limb or two. Now the difference between these two reasons, says Rab Chaim, is whether we apply Rubo Kekulo. Generally in Halacha, a majority is considered the entire thing. So in this Halacha, if the reason the entire Nida or Zav has to be on the chair is because of the the definition of Moshev, that sitting on the chair means the person is fully on the chair. So then we apply the regular Rubo Kikulo rule that if a majority of the Nida or Zav is sitting on the chair, that's as if they're entirely on the chair. It's considered Moshev and the Tuma transfers. But if the reason is because otherwise it's a Nida Le'evarim, the Tuma doesn't come through limbs, only through the full person. So then it has to be them entirely sitting on the chair. A majority is not enough because that's still just more limbs, but it's not the entire person. So in order to transfer Tuma, the entire Zav or Nida must be sitting fully on the chair. Only then does the Tuma transfer. Otherwise, it's not going to come through a limb or two, even a majority of the limbs. It requires the entire person sitting on the chair. So says Rab Chaim, that explains the Medrash. The reason we need to add the Evan Misama rule to Tuma's Mish is because otherwise there would be no tuma unless the Zav and Nida were 100% sitting or lying on the thing. But if even a majority of them was on there, that would not be enough because there would still be a leniency that the tuma doesn't come through limbs and a majority is just a majority of the limbs, but it's not the whole person. So that's why we apply the rule of Evan Misama because now that says that if a majority of the person is sitting on the chair, it's as if they're entirely on the chair based on the idea of Evan Misama, so the Tumah transfers. So this is like Rab Chaim explained earlier that what Evan Misama does is it transforms that if a majority of the person is sitting on the chair or bed, it's as if they're entirely on the chair or bed. But says Rab Chaim, the comparison from the case of Masa to Mishkavu Moshev has a problem. When it comes to Masa, so it makes sense to say that if someone is carrying part of the Zav, based on the principle of Evan Misama, it's as if they're carrying the entire Zav. Because what we learn from Evan Misama is that the person doesn't need to directly carry the Zav. So long as they're indirectly carrying the Zav, they're still Tameh. So the same thing applies when they're carrying a part of the Zav, 
Zav, since they're indirectly carrying the rest of the Zav, so they become Tameh. So that explains why Evan Misama transforms the nature of Tumas Masa, that even carrying part of the Zav is like carrying the whole Zav. But how does that play out in the case of Mishkav Umoshav, where the Torah's halacha is that the Zav needs to be held up by this chair or bed in order to make it Tameh? So, so long as the Zav is not being held up by the chair or bed, it's not considered Mishkav, and there shouldn't be a transfer of Tuma. And Evan Misama shouldn't affect that, because even Evan Misama of Mishkav Umoshav has to hold the person up. So even if we apply Evan Misama to Mishkav Umoshav, it still doesn't include any parts of the person which are not being held up by this chair or bed. So those are not included in the Mishkav Umoshav. So anytime there's not an entirety of the person sitting or lying on the bed, it should be considered a varim. It's just their limbs. So there should not be a transfer of Toma. So basically the Evan Misama should not change the case of Mishkav Umoshav the way it does when it comes to Masa. So Rab Chaim reformulates the whole idea of how Evan Misama transforms this whole halacha. And he basically says that it's not limited to the idea that carrying part of a Zav is as if he carried the whole thing based on Evan Misama. But Evan Misama actually changes this much more drastically. It negates the whole concept of a Nida Le'evarim. So the general rule of Nida is that it doesn't transfer through the limbs unless there's a stringency of Evan Misama. Whenever the Torah applied Evan Misama, so that kicks in and it undoes entirely the whole leniency that Zav and Nida doesn't transfer through the limbs. So anytime there's Evan Misama, in fact, the Tuma of Nida does transfer even through the limbs, not only through the whole person. So now using this much more robust formulation, it means that anytime there's Evan Misama, we suspend the rule of Ein Nida Le'evarim. So since since there's Evan Misama for Mishkavumoshav as well as Masa and Heset, so in all of those forms of Tuma, there is no leniency of Ein Nidala Evarim. The only time that leniency applies are the Tumas that don't have Evan Misama, like touching and inside a Klecheres. So those two categories would theoretically have the leniency of Ein Nidala Evarim, but as Rab Chaim explained earlier, when it comes to touching, even touching with a finger is as if the person touched it with their whole body. So ain't nidaleivarim can apply to Tomas Maga. So we're left with the only case in the whole halacha where the leniency of ain nidaleivarim, that nida doesn't transfer through the limbs, the only place that that could apply is only toch klecheres, inside a klecheres, where there is no evan misama. And also putting her hand in there is not as if she put her entire self in there. So that's the one application where we say that nida doesn't transfer through the limbs and the klecheres doesn't become Tameh. So this further clarifies why the Rambam limits this whole application of Ein Nida Le'evarim only to the Halacha where she put her hand in a Klecheres because based on these Midrashim the Rambam understood that any place where there's Evan Misama, this leniency of Nida doesn't apply. So once he went through the whole list where this leniency could apply, the only case he was left with is Toch of a Klecheres. And now in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim brings a proof 
to his broader formulation that Evan Misama totally negates the whole leniency of Ein Nidale Evarim from the Mishnah in Zavim Dalit Zayin. Hayo Yoshev al Hamita, if there was a Zav sitting on a bed, the Dalit Talios Tachas Arba Ragle Hamita, and there were four pieces of clothing under the four legs of the bed. So they're all Tamei, Mipne She'eni Yecholalamud al Shalosh, because the bed can't stand on three legs, so all four are necessary. So the Tumah goes down through each of them, and any piece of clothing under any of the legs becomes Tamei. Reb Shimon Metaher, Reb Shimon disagrees. So the Gemara in Shabbos Tzadibes explains that this debate between the Tanakhama and Reb Shimon is a reflection of a broader debate that they have throughout Halacha. The Tanakhama holds in all areas of Halacha that anywhere Shezeino Yachol, Vezeino Yachol, Kulei Maseka Avid. If one person or one thing couldn't have done this action on their own, but they did it together with another person or thing, so we consider it as if they each did the whole thing because neither of them alone could have done it. So that's why in this case of the bed, the Tanakama considers each of the four legs crucial to the overall bed. So the Tumah goes down to all of them because no leg on its own, even three of them on their own, could not have held the bed up. Reb Shimon, though, disagrees with this whole approach fundamentally. And he holds throughout Halacha that if one person or thing couldn't have done it and they did it in partnership with someone else, so everybody's putter, it's as if nobody did it because nobody could have done it on their own. So in the same way, since each of the legs of the bed couldn't have held it up on its own, so the Tumah doesn't go down to any of them. So that's the debate between the Tanakama and Reb Shimon. But Rab Chaim asks on the view of the Tanakama that each of the legs becomes Tameh, how does that work? Because even though the Gemara explains that since they're all needed to hold up the bed, so the Zav sitting on the bed is as if he's sitting on each of the four legs, so the Mishkav of the Zav incorporates all of the legs legs of the bed. So that's true, that the Tumas Mishkav here does include all of the four legs. But what about the other leniency of Ein Nidale Evarim? Even though the Zav is considered lying on all four legs, but each of the legs is only holding up a part of the Zav, so it's just holding up limbs. It's not holding up the entire Zav. So how does the Tumah go into the legs, even if we consider it a proper Mishkav, which includes all of the legs, but each leg is only holding up limbs, it's not holding up the entire Zav, so the leniency that the Tumah doesn't go through the limbs should kick in. So how does the Tanakhama say that the Tumah goes into all of the legs? Says Rab Chaim, this is proof to what he just said, that wherever there's Evan Misama, there is no leniency of Ein Nida Evarim. So whenever we apply the rule of Evan Misama, we get rid of that leniency. And since in the case of the bed, we do apply the rule of Evan Misama, because it's Tumas Mishkov Umoshav, which the Medrash says also has Evan Misama, so there is no more leniency of Ein Nidala Evarim. So the only reason there may have been a leniency here is because the Zav is not considered fully or majority being held up by each of the legs, so it doesn't meet the definition of Mishkov Umoshav, but once the Tanakama said that each of the 
legs is needed to hold him up. So now it is included in Mishkavu Moshev. There is no leniency of Ein Nidala Eivarim, that it's only limbs, because there's Evan Misama here. So that's why, according to the Tanakama, there is Toma. So Rab Chaim's idea, according to the Rambam, that wherever there's Evan Misama, we lose the leniency of Ein Nidala Eivarim, explains the view of the Tanakama in this Mishnah. And that explains why the Rambam holds that this halacha of Ein Nidala Eivarim is not going to apply in the case of Mishkavu Moshev, the way the Ravid says it, it only applies in the limited case where he put his hand into the clay cheres. So this whole analysis explains why the Rambam disagrees with the Ravid that the rule of Ein Nidala Eivarim does not apply to Mishkavu Moshev. Based on these Midrashim, the Rambam understood that wherever there's Evan Misama, the rule of Ein Nidala Eivarim is suspended. And there is Evan Misama in Tumas Mishkavu Moshev. So that's why the leniency of Ein Nidala Eivarim doesn't apply to Tomas Mishkavu Moshev. So this is Rab Chaim's piece to explain this halacha in the Rambam, where the leniency of Ein Nidala Eivarim applies. According to the Rambam, it applies in the airspace of a Klecheres, whereas according to the Raivid, it applies in a case of Mishkav Umoshav. And Rab Chaim suggests the conceptual reasons that lead to both of these views. According to the Raivid, it applies to Mishkav Umoshav because that's the special transfer of Tuma of Anida. So it makes sense that this special leniency would apply in that case. And it doesn't apply to a Klecheres because according to the Raivid, once one limb is in the Klecheres, it's as if the whole body is in there because the rule of Toch applies only to the vessel, not to the object of Tuma itself. So once a person puts one limb in the airspace of the Klecheres, it connects with the rest of their body. So it's the parallel to touching something where even though one limb touches it, it's as if their whole body touched it. So according to the Raivid, the Rambam's case is not going to work. So that's why he formulates a different application of this halacha. On the other hand, the Rambam disagrees with the Raivid and he differentiates between touching something versus putting a limb in a klecheres. Because according to the Rambam, the rule of toch applies not only to the vessel, but also to the object of tumah. So if a person puts one limb in the klecheres, it's only as if that limb itself is in there, not the rest of their body. So that's why it makes sense to apply the rule of Ein Nidala Eivarim to that case. On the other hand, the Rambam disagrees with the Raivid's application of this because the Rambam holds that the rule of Evan Misama is a contradiction to Ein Nidala Eivarim. So wherever Evan Misama applies, we're not going to apply Ein Nidala Eivarim. And one of the cases of Evan Misama, the Medrash says, is Tumas Mishkov or Moshav. So according to the Rambam, there cannot be a leniency of Ein Nidala Eivarim in that case. So that's the key framework that Rab Chaim develops. In addition, in the piece, he also explains the Rambam's comment in the Pirush HaMishnayis that carrying a part of a Boel Nida does not transfer Tumah, unlike carrying a part of a Zav. And Rab Chaim has a very brilliant explanation to explain the difference between them based on the rule of Evan Misama. 